Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? Well, it was uh, quite a while between wins for the Lions, and uh, no better team for Lions fans to see vanquished than the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, anytime you can beat Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for all of the horrible things that he has put upon us over the years <laughs> to be able to win that game and send him to a fifth straight loss. I mean, look, bottom line is they just needed to beat somebody. I don't care who it was. But uh, doubly sweet when you can beat the Packers, beat Aaron Rodgers. And just, you know, I'm just leaving the park now. And I can just tell you from talking to Jared Goff this morning to coach this afternoon to a couple of players that hit the podium, man, it just, it just lets these guys exhale for a minute and lets some of the air out of the balloon before they have to go on and get ready for Chicago now. You know, Dan, uh, historical nerds love this stuff, but it was exactly 60 years and one month ago uh, today that Green Bay scored nine points against the Lions and won 9-7 to seven in one of the most terrific of many agonizing losses to the Packers. That was a game before the Lions' Thanksgiving Day massacre, and that was the only loss the Packers had all season. But Detroit led yeah. that game and uh, was in position with a 7-6 win in the final minutes, came down to a third down decision, and they said, hey, uh, Milt Plum, he's going to throw a, a quick hook to Terry Barr, and the game will be over. And instead, Terry Barr slipped. His feet went out from under him. The ball went right to Herb Adderley, and they came down and kicked a game-winning field goal. So nine points is not always enough for the Packers. That's good to know. I don't. I imagine uh, after the game, did talk radio talk about the curse of Bobby Lane being the reason that he slipped? <laughs> they you always know, I, do, look, right? I, I, um, <laughs> you know, people always talk about the fifties. I mean, you know, the, the Lions had some really, as you know, good teams in the sixties. Yeah. Yeah. They had this behemoth in front of them that you couldn't get around, yeah. which was yeah. just a Green Bay dynasty, which was just better. Yeah, that 62 season, Dan, uh, you know, the Lions go 11-3, and three, and uh, they didn't have a loss, I think, by more than a field goal. I know they lost 3 nothing to the Bears in that 9-7 game, and I think they also had a, a field goal game with the Giants. And, uh, you know, you're 11-3 and three, normally. That'd be pretty good. That'd be a nice yeah. playoff run right now, but not good enough back in those days. It was nice to see the frustration on Aaron Rodgers' face because uh, he's been smirking uh, as he uh, boarded the team plane out of Detroit so often. And I figured out what went wrong for Green Bay on that last fourth down attempt. He was too close to the end zone. Uh, man, that is uh, just one of my all-time worst memories right there is just that, that Hail Mary. <laughs> I still see it. I mean, I can't, it's as clear as yeah. day in my vision. Just watching that football and uh, never seen anything that high in my life at Ford Field and thinking back to that play. But, look, you hold your breath until the final second, and and he's got no bullets left, and and that's just what it is when you're facing a guy like him. And and I was, you know, just looking at it and thinking back on all the horrible things that had happened. And, you know, you're just hoping somebody can make a play. And, and, you know, TJ and I both said at the end of the game, and Lomas 
no penalties. My goodness, just don't give him any more tries. Yes. No penalties. And yes. you know what? They held on. They they played under control. They did things the right way. And and for that period in time, it was a really nice set of downs for that defense to shut down one of the all-time greats. You know, I don't want to belabor uh, the, the painful here, but – uh, everyone remembers uh, Richard Rodgers high-pointing that ball on the 70-yard throw, but there are two other things about that play. Uh, one of them was the penalty that allowed the play to happen. The game was over. Yeah. <laughs> and they Face get snap. another snap, and then I remember thinking, well, what is Ziggy Ansa, who was their best pass rusher, doing out covering a receiver? And then, of course, he had all day to throw, and Jim Caldwell said they thought they were going to do some kind of a 12 level yeah. play. And, you know, he, he just could have autographed the ball before he threw it. Yeah, there's a couple things on that play for me. It's it's the height of the ball when he threw it. It is, yeah. you know, yeah. obviously the, the bad penalty got him there. Uh, the, the poor defensive alignment that the Lions had with two guys guarding the sideline 20 yards off the ball completely <laughs> – and just do, serving no purpose on the play whatsoever. But yeah. I will tell you, first and foremost, is Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson should have been told, stand yeah. on the goal line and yeah. go get the ball. And yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that if you had put him there yeah. and told him to go get it, that he would have gotten it. And the last thing that I'll say to you is I just remember <laughs> glancing from the ball yeah. at the top of the stadium – down to the end zone where I could see two Packers had gotten, using basketball lingo, yeah. box-out position on the Lions defenders, and I thought, we're dead. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and it just, it was, they had, the position that they had assumed was the exact position they needed to be in, and it was just, you know, some really good pro football players back there defensively for the Lions just played that really poorly and that should have been something that you know they've been doing since they were eight years old and it was just it was just a bad play all the way around from design of the defense personnel on the field everything under the sun you know kind of just aligned to allow that awful awful thing to happen but you know (laughs) what are you doing the crazy thing about that is had the lions won that game they were right back in the playoff chase after starting one and seven they would have been right back in it oh. in a horrible NFC that year. Well, uh, you're absolutely right. And I remember uh, being up in the box and thinking when the ball was about 20 yards from the end zone, oh, no. Yeah. It was just one of those scenes. And, you know, the Lions have a horrible history, Dan, with Hail Marys. Even going back to their last world championship in 57, they gave birth to the alley-oop pass uh the 49ers from Wade tittle to rc owens and uh you know the, that got the lions in a game in keysar stadium so uh i guess uh, they want to stay out of those hail mary situations but sure. it, when you yeah. when you think about aaron Rodgers and where the packers are now at three and six should he have stayed retired you know I, i'm not what is he, two-time reigning MVP? I mean, yep. It's, yep. it's hard for me to tell him to to sit it out. Um, look, I know 
Aaron Rodgers looks at it, and I'm, look, I haven't had a conversation with him about it, but I feel pretty secure in saying this, that he looks at that and says, man, he's sitting on one Super Bowl. And yeah. that's yeah. just not good enough for a player of his caliber. And yeah. I, I know that's probably something that's gnawed at him. He's had other opportunities. They've gotten to the NFC Championship multiple times and not fared yeah. well. Um, but it just probably what is what come, keeps him coming back. He doesn't need the money. I think he loves the game. He loves the competition. And I think he wants to win another championship. And it's, yeah. look, Tom Izzo, how many times has he talked about the difference yeah. between one and two? And, yes. and it's, it's, it's really something that, you know, look, he's had a great career. He's going to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. But certainly that will be talked about that he only won one Super Bowl. But, you know, I, I also fault management there. I think we've looked from the outside in and – realized that they didn't do enough to surround him with what he needed after losing his best weapon by far. And, um, you know, even at the trade deadline when they weren't able to pull something off for a wide receiver when it certainly looked like there were plenty of them on the, on the block, uh, your window isn't very big anymore with Aaron Rodgers there. And right. you kind of let an opportunity and are letting an opportunity slip away. So, look, should he have stayed retired? Boy, I, I don't know. He's such a great player. He's still so good and coming off a great season it just things aren't aligning for him and you can see it in his body language right now just the frustration right right you could see that was very obvious yesterday and uh, tv was focused on him a lot on the sidelines we're not used to a one td three interception day for rogers and uh, a rating of 53.5 but he did throw for almost 300 yards and Dan, like so many quarterbacks now, and I'm not just talking about Lamar Jackson and Justin Fields, we are seeing quarterbacks as their team's leading rusher. And last night, Patrick Mahomes, that was the best thing the Chiefs had going for him. We know what Josh Allen can do. And yesterday, Aaron Rodgers was the Packers' leading rusher, and uh, he also had uh, a carry that was twice as long as anything any of their running backs had. What's the deal with the quarterbacks running so much that uh, now they're not just not just an improv, it's part of the plan? No, I think if you see when these teams go man-to-man defense, the, the, the quarterbacks know that yeah. the middle of the field is going to be open, and, and it yeah. gives them an opportunity to run. And I think they are less concerned with the ability to slide and ward off any would-be big hits that they can just go for big games. And, you know, it's been a big problem for the Lions this year. I mean, he converted two-third and longs yesterday, and they've had real problems with that, dating back to the first preseason game against Atlanta. And they're going to have to figure that thing out because the quarterback they got coming in or going to see on Sunday had 178 yards rushing yesterday. So I think it it is – it's problematic, but I think you're seeing even the less mobile quarterbacks. Geno Smith hurt the Lions running the ball. He had run for very little yardage before he faced the Lions. So it is definitely a problem they're going to have to figure out. But I think league-wide, these quarterbacks have just gotten so wise to what, especially if you go you know, five wide, something like that, you got man-to-man defense, and that's five guys taken out of the middle of the field and you get past that initial rush, if they lose rush lanes and give you an opening, these guys can just take it up the field. I'm looking at uh, the 
NFC North standings. And uh, Minnesota have this thing locked. It's 7-1. Uh, and one. And I guess it still has nine games to go. But uh, Green Bay is already a three, and and the Bears are both three and six. So they're five games behind in the loss column. Uh, Minnesota would really have to detonate itself not to win this. It would take a monumental collapse for them not to win it. I mean, look, you're going to. These, I'm not sure how many shots each of those teams has left at them. They got some division games left. They have to play. I know one against the Lions. Yeah. So look, I mean, it just they've set themselves up well, and the rest of the division has fallen away. So it's a combination that puts you very much in the driver's seat. So yeah, I think number one, they're good. I mean, I, they added T.J. Hawkinson. That's really going to help them. Um, I just think it's it's. Uh, Every game counts, and every game can help put you in an advantageous position, and that's what they're in right now. And they've taken care of business early where other teams haven't, and that just has left them, you know, with a huge lead in the standings. And I just think, you know, injuries can can take care of something like that. That's always the great unknown in the NFL. But right now, certainly I think it would take just a, a collapse that it's hard to see coming because it doesn't only take a collapse. It takes one of these teams that has really struggled going on a run that's hard to envision right now based on the way that they've played. Dan, one of the things I love most about the National Football League, especially compared to college ball, is the enforced parity and the fact that you never know what you're going to see. College games, once in a while, we get a great upset, and that's that's nice. But more often than not, uh, the results are pretty predictable, and so are the point spreads. I'm looking at the National Football League standings here, and uh, whoever would have thought that uh, the Seattle Seahawks would be two games, uh, uh, two wins, a a game and a half, I guess, in the standings, up on the Niners, and two and a half up on the world champion Rams. Uh, Who would have thought that Tampa Bay uh, would be below 500 and – tied for first place in in that division, by the way. We talked about Minnesota. Who would have thought that the New York teams would be a combined 12-5? and Uh, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Uh, You you never know what you're going to get in the National Football League. No, and I think that's where, to bring it home, the frustration is with with Lions fans, that they're not one of those teams that can put together that kind of season and surprise people. Look, Pete Carroll's a really good coach. That shouldn't be a surprise yeah. to anybody. But to do this yeah. with Geno Smith and a defense that has seen some of its best players depart over the past couple of years just brings that home even more. But, you know, look, their recipe is run it hard, uh, let Geno Smith do what he does, but support him with a good running game. Don't make mistakes. Don't turn it over. Don't beat yourself. And that's a pretty good recipe in this league to go out and win games. And, you know, I haven't watched the other New York teams quite as much, but, look, they're doing a heck of a job to, to win those games as well. And um, right now, Tampa Bay's just kind of had to deal with injuries. I don't think Brady has looked the same, which is understandable. At 45 years old, I know the yardage is there, but sometimes when I've watched him, it has seemed like the critical throws haven't been. That also can be a, a, right. a function of weapons at times. Um, and the Rams just look out of sync. So, 
to your point, it doesn't take much to kind of shift from, you know, just being good enough to just not being good enough. And the difference isn't that great in some of these games between these teams. And if you play turnover-free, penalty-free, don't put yourself behind down sticks, don't give your opponents uh, easy drives because you've stacked up penalties, uh, you can win games in this league. And it, it's, right. it's because the, the disparity's not that great. But, you know, that, that's, that's the hill they got to climb here in Detroit with the Lions is, is – They've been in the same close games. They just haven't figured out a way to win them. And ultimately, that says you're not good enough. So they've got to figure out a way to get that done. You could very easily see where with a couple of plays, they could be nipping at, at, at Minnesota's heels. But that's on paper. That's not on the field. And you've got to figure out a way to get that done on the field. The Lions have had six close games. Could have gone either way. Uh, they're 2-4 and four in those games. And then... Then they had the uh, lopsided losses, the blowout uh, at New England and uh, the convincing loss uh, to the Cowboys. But I think about uh, New England and the Patriots, Dan, are in last place in the AFC East at 5-4. and four. They would have a one-game lead on Tom Brady uh, and be in first place if they were in the NFC South. So I guess uh, neighborhood, neighborhood, neighborhood. Yeah, and it's, um, I don't know that anybody necessarily could have picked anything other than that Buffalo was going to be really good. Um, but I, I think there were some questions going in. I think, you know, I, I give Belichick credit. I, that team has lost a lot, man. They've put it together yeah. with a couple of different quarterbacks. And right. um, it just, you just really take your hat off to him. I mean, and, it, and again, I'll go back to it. I think that's what makes it frustrating here is you got to get to the point where someday you, you're one of those stories. But, man, right. games in this league more often than not are close. More often than not, yeah. they are there to be won in the fourth quarter. Right. And the teams that you look up at the end that are good teams are the teams that figured out a way to make a play at a critical time to win the game. And the teams that don't are where the Lions are. Whereas you said, six games, you can go back. You had one play to win the Minnesota game, you went in a different direction. Um, you, can, you can look at, at some of the other games. Seattle, you just needed one stop, man. I mean, they even almost had a chance to, to get the ball with a chance to take a lead in that Seattle game with an onside kick and just right. barely missed out on that. But, it's, it's again, that's all stuff we can go back and talk about. But the teams that are having fun right now and playing meaningful games uh, going forward are the teams that were able to make the plays, get the onside kick, uh, do whatever it took, get that critical first down to run out the clock. Those are, I mean, look, look like Brady and the Bucks were going to be in trouble yesterday and the Rams were going to get a nice win, and then the Rams yep. can't get a first down. Brady gets it back, boom, 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 down the field. Game-winning game winner, game touchdown. That's after they dropped the game-winning touchdown in the series before. So, um, it's just it's it's such a slim margin, but again, it, it's the teams that know how to handle that that ultimately find a way to be successful. You mentioned Seattle and that game, uh, as wild as that was, that uh, you know you score forty five points and you don't win. Uh, Kenneth Walker the third was terrific again yesterday, and I think he's a front runner for offensive rookie of the year. And I think about a guy who was. 
I think of similar talent, uh, DeAndre Swift, but can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, a few guys on the Lions have this. And I'm wondering, Dan, especially with running backs, when you go from saying, well, you know, injuries, that's just the breaks, it's the luck of the game, anybody can get it, to labeling someone as injury-prone or brittle. Well, I think there's there's two inflection points. One is when you decide whether or not you're going to draft somebody that can cover him or take his place. And I think that's something that the Lions have to think about going into this offseason. Um, Jamal's contract will be up. You'll, yeah. you'll have DeAndre there. But you got to think about, do we need to draft somebody that – is that type of player a third down back, an explosive player, somebody who can turn four into 40 with a missed tackle um, right. because this guy's just not available enough? I think that's, that's one inflection point. The other one is when the contract comes up and you get to a point where you have to decide, are we going to pay this player again? And we're talking about DeAndre here, and this can be about any number of players who are injury prone. You have to decide, do we want to put – our money into a guy that has not proven durable. And sometimes it's just bad luck. And you've right. got to try to figure out, is this something that's going to be a problem going forward? Or is, yeah. this, is he going to have a good run from here on out? I mean, first two years, you know the story, Matthew Stafford, you know, people thought he right. was brittle. Well, he sure turned out to be the exact opposite of that for a long, long time. So yeah. it's frustrating because he is such a difference maker when he's out there, but there will come a point, and I think as soon as this offseason, where the Lions have to decide if they want to invest in that position again because of what their depth chart looks like. Where did Dan Campbell yesterday after the game say uh, how tired he was and he was going to go home and put his feet up and, and have a beer? I can't think of anyone in pro football who'd be more fun just to sit around and have a beer with and watch Sunday night football. Yeah, you know, and, and I can confirm, having talked to him today, he had that beer. And <laughs> I think it, I, I think, I can't tell you how many he had because I don't know the answer to that, but I do You know think the brand? His, I don't. I didn't ask him that. I just told him <laughs> I, I had to do a radio spot with him, and I said, all right, Coach, most important question I have for you, did you get the beer? And he said, I did. And then I also asked him if, if he was sitting there relaxing and he came across the screen that, that Justin Fields had run for 178 yards and that kind of ruined things for him. And he said, yeah, that kind of got my mind racing again. And that was about it for the relaxation. So, um, but to your point, look, I, I think the guy is, he's just, and I've said this to you before, he's just a dude. He's a, he's a terrific yeah. guy. He has a great personality. He's got great stories. Um, and you're right. He would be fantastic to just sit down and, and drink some beers with, talk about life, talk about football and all those things. Um, but it's, you know, when we're ultimately assessing something beyond that, it's right. are you winning or losing? And I think he understands yeah. how important it is for him to win games, and I think that's why he said that yesterday. I do think this is mentally taxing for him, and the losing is not easy for the amount of work that they put in. And because I think he, and, and this isn't to say others don't, he genuinely cares, and it genuinely means a lot to him. And he wants to win for this city, and he wants to win for, for Sheila Hamp, 
and he wants to to do it for for the people that he's leading and the people that that hired him. And and he's 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 a guy that that shoots from the hip, and he's got a big heart. And I think this is not easy for him to not be successful and to have the record where it is and to be as close as he is to to having that record look better, but it doesn't, and that's where you are, and that's who you are until you change that. So, look, last night after that game, you could just see what it meant to every single player in that locker room, and you and I have talked about this before. If you thought about what you do for a living and you just went out and did it every single day, and then at the end of every week somebody told you not good enough, no, you tried, no, you left your blood, sweat, and tears out there, but it's just flat not good enough. Every week you hear that. It would yeah. be a miserable existence. And for football players that aren't winning or guys probably in any sport that aren't winning, it's miserable, man. And when you yeah. do win, it's just a weight off your shoulders, and then you realize you've got to go out there and do it again. But yeah. these guys feel it. They wear it. They understand it. And it's, it, it is why you see locker room scenes like you saw with the Lions and other teams, even when it's their second win. And I get that from people who say, that's their second win. Why are they celebrating? Because you work so hard just to get one. And it doesn't change where you believe you are in the grand uh, you know, scheme of things. But you're not going to let that chance with your teammates, understanding everything you've been through, go by at any point. That is what an NFL locker room looks like. And the reason is, everything they put into it just to get to that point for a victory. The pass-fail bar is set a lot higher than it is for most fans. Maybe not higher than it is at Fox 2, but higher than it is uh, for for most fans who can't quite relate to that. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, Have a good time with Justin Fields. I appreciate it. We'll see what happens. Thank you, Jack. (laughs) 